What is up, Baton Rouge, and welcome back to the Tiger Pride Podcast presented by 225 Magazine. I'm Mark Clements, here as always with the one and only Jarrett Roser of TigerDetails.com. A couple more weeks before LSU heads to the Fiesta Bowl to face a nice UCF matchup there. So we're recording this on Monday, December 17th. Which is going to go great. Because <laughs> nothing can possibly go wrong on signing day. But we want we wanted to go through some of the commits LSU's got on the books, the guys we expect to sign. Hopefully this all goes really smoothly so that when this comes out on Thursday, the day after signing day, we won't be scrambling to cut some of these dudes from the podcast. But Oh, sweet. So if, if someone doesn't sign, you're just going to cut that part out? I'm going to edit so this I, thing. Like, it's not going to be like two minutes of me saying, yeah, you know, this is a real safe, firm real commitment. Conf- no, he's gonna play right away for the Tigers. No, I'm, I got these uh, superb editing skills. We'll just nip that right in the bud, make us look real smart. Um, so we want to get into it and kind of just touch on some of the guys that we expect to be signing early, or if not signing early, at least are committed in the class at this stage. Um, and obviously, um, the February normal signing period will be kind of the the finalized class Ooh. right here. What so, is normal? I'm sorry. That's the deep question. We can address on a, on a different episode. Yeah. Most of the LSU will continue to film most of its class in December now, though. Mm-hmm. So this is the new normal. I guess it is, which is still kind of weird that this early signing period, only the second year it's happened. Um, but they've currently got 19 commits, and you guys at Tiger Details have been churning out some features. If y'all haven't subscribed to the rival LSU's Rivals website, it's TigerDetails.com. Some sweet uh uh, I guess we call it a, a special running right now. If you get a, a year-long subscription, you get a hundred bucks to the uh, to the rival store. Get some sweet swag for Christmas. But um, yeah, man, this week has been chock full already of just y'all been dropping yeah. bombs. And we so all these big features that we've been putting out, we're none of those are behind the paywall. Just mm-hmm. some interesting get to know these players that will be signing with LSU. Get to know them as. As young men and young football players, I think a lot of what we've done so far has been um, probably a little bit more lean toward personality profiles than anything else. But yeah. it's been kind of a mix of content, and appreciate everyone, you know, trying to keep up with uh, with everything that that we're doing right now. It's it's been a lot of fun to to get some get to know some of these guys. I mean, a lot of them we already knew, but mm-hmm. getting a chance to know some of them that much more and put together these big features, um, we should this week have have features on pretty much every member of this this early signing class or certainly close to it depending on uh you know if we can get get in touch with uh one or two last folks yeah and everyone loves a good recruiting talk and looking into the future it's really exciting to see what's going to be coming on campus here shortly so we're going to pick Jarrett's brain a little bit um find out a little bit about some of these players not only on field, but uh like you mentioned the personalities and just kind of get to know some of these dudes that are going to be on campus here soon um let's just kind of get to keep some semblance of organization we'll do offense defense and then i guess we'll end it with our our boy Cade york but he's a kicker they have, so they have 19 commits now do you have what's your your kind of ballpark on what you would expect to sign early i think most of that crew you will probably see mm-hmm. sign with lsu on wednesday uh, mo hampton the defensive back one of the longest tenured commits of this class uh, up in the Memphis area is obviously a, a dual sport athlete very passionate about both football and baseball Sam Spiegelman had a story up on on him and that decision and his love for both on Sunday morning he is planning to wait until February but he is also probably one of the firmer LSU commits so that's not really a cause for concern for the Tigers he's just waiting because some guys um, in his other sport who would have had a chance to sign prior to December waited on him and so now they're just going to wait and a lot of them all signed together uh, as a group in February but again he should be pretty safe and good to go a couple of the the question marks really the bigger question marks were uh, Dante Starks around the time of state championships announced that he might be waiting until February to sign uh, to give his brother an opportunity to come travel back to New Orleans and be there for him. It sounds like he expects to sign now, though, with LSU on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, first thing. And then Cordell Flott, who on an official visit to Florida 
this weekend said that he might be 50-50 between LSU and Florida now, may not even sign early, may wait until February. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds like as that situation has continued to progress now, you know, Monday afternoon that he's had some conversations with with LSU and the expectation is that he signs with LSU on Wednesday. We'll wait and see what Ray Parker does. Some stuff's still kind of up in the air with him, uh, up in Ruston, the the tight end slash potential long-term offensive tackle. But for the most part, those 19 guys are, are as firm as 19 high school students can be in there in their decisions to play for LSU, and you should expect uh, probably at least 17 or 18 of them to officially send their paperwork in on Wednesday. Nice, and that will obviously allow Coach O to kind of finish out the class and focus on the remaining, what, six, seven dudes, whatever the number is, um, down the stretch. Going back to Mo, just real quick, uh, I know obviously like you mentioned a dual sport athlete with baseball and, and football, and LSU would like him to come on campus and, and play both. What's the – I mean, can you get a, a sense of what the percent chance he even lands on campus is if he gets drafted really high in the in the MLB draft? Would he take the money and just not even try college? Or does he kind of – does part of him want to experience life on campus and kind of be a, a dual sport? I know he mentioned playing in the NFL as well. I mean, he's got obviously a freak athlete projected as a defensive back if he comes to LSU. Um, what's what's the chances that he just never even ends up on campus and yeah. goes, goes pro? Mo Hampton has a tough decision, and it's it's one of those which you'd call a good problem to have yeah. because he is very talented at at both sports. And for him, I don't think he even at this point has a specific draft pick or amount of money in mind that would be the right amount for him to forego um, LSU. I think he's just kind of taking senior year and enjoying it. Um, did so with football, will do so with baseball, and then once it actually becomes a reality, then he'll sit down with his family and kind of hash it out. But he is very intrigued by the idea of playing both sports at LSU. He's very intrigued by the idea of, of being an LSU football player and seeing where he stands as a potential draft prospect in each sport in a few years. And so I think he probably has to be a pretty high draft pick with with a really nice salary and signing bonus waiting for him to forego. I, I don't think he's a guy that if he gets drafted in the, the fifth or sixth round even, which is a really nice place to be as a baseball player, that that he ends up going. I think he's a guy that you're probably looking at may need to be a first or at least second round pick. Um, but again, that'll be something they, they start figuring out more come summertime. That's such an interesting dynamic to see. I mean, you mentioned a good problem to have. And we see guys like Kyler Murray, who was drafted, I don't know what round, pretty very high. Was he a first round pick? I do not recall he where was, Kyler Murray was drafted. Anyway, very high, a lot of money on the table. And obviously now he went to Oklahoma and won the Heisman. So um, you've seen it work out both ways, and he kind of passed up that paycheck. will be interesting to see what, what Mo does. Um, let's start with the offense and the the first position. We'll just go as quarterback with with Peter Parrish, the um, the lone quarterback in this class at the moment, and he's a guy of uh, a pretty highly rated four star prospect. Um, the interesting part with with Peter to me is he's listed as a dual threat, and you, I mean, again, this is the kind of, kind of the age old question with LSU is what kind of offense do they want to run and what dynamics do they want their quarterback to be? Right now, you have Joe Burrow who was kind of known as a pocket passer who can run then you saw him in the a&m game obviously you run a lot and then you have behind him miles brennan who is i would say less mobile than than joe burrow yeah, and less now you mobile less agile and now you got peter in the pipeline who is a true dual threat what does he bring to the table and is calling him a dual threat maybe underestimating his his arm talent a little bit probably so and it, you mentioned trying to get a read on what lsu wants to do based on the quarterbacks that they bring in has been a an interesting and uh, often futile yeah. process when you look in recent years and then you look ahead and you see TJ Finley and Max Johnson committed for the next year and, and they are not quite nope uh, the same runners as Peter Parrish is but really his ability to throw the football was kind of what made all of this happened. He came to camp in the summer. LSU watched him, really liked the way he he looked as a passer in a camp setting. 
uh, with a lot of top guys on both sides of the ball uh, working there with him. And they came back the next morning before kicking up camp stuff uh, that day and, and already had a commitment from him because they watched film together, talked about it, and decided that's the guy that they wanted to go after based on how good he looked throwing the football. And so they extended the offer. He committed about as quickly as they could finish the sentence, and they've been <laughs> in love ever since. And so Monday morning we had the feature from Sam talking about mm-hmm. this quiet, confident kid from Alabama that is being tabbed basically as Orgeron's quarterback. Um, Coach O reached out to, to the family when they were heading up to Tennessee shortly after that camp visit and, and made sure they knew that he was the guy that, that they wanted. And he's going to be the only quarterback as a part of this class, barring something unforeseen. And so I think that says quite a bit about their um, their thoughts on on Peter Parrish. And I think the fact that you have two less mobile, less running quarterbacks in line for 2020 I think kind of shows a little bit of a nod to uh, to the fact that they think Peter can throw the football pretty well too, because clearly they're not they're not looking at guys that are runners that can maybe throw the ball a little bit. They want some guys who can throw the ball, but Peter can also run better than anyone else they're going to have on that roster. And how much do you think? Let me talk again about the the guys LSU who's recruited. How how do you kind of approach their strategy of just? It seems they're almost just going to take the best available of the guy they can get if they can get. A five-star pocket passer, they'll take that. If you can get a five-star dual threat, they'll take. Like they'll, they're just kind of going best available. Is that an okay route <laughs> to kind of approach it, or do you, like, should you? Would you like to see them have more of a vision of like this is what we want? And yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't it doesn't work quite the same as when you're you're looking at other positions and like you look at the NBA draft and you hear a lot of. I mean, you hear with the football draft too, hearing you know the best player available. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about a college quarterback, you probably want to have a little bit more of a specific vision and system in mind when you're you're bringing guys in. They haven't had a whole lot of luck with that position, or I'm not even gonna say luck. They haven't had a whole lot of success mm-hmm. with that position, and so I th- I think you look at the amount of of top offenses around the country that get talked about and knocked kind of as being system guys, system offenses, but they're the ones putting up a lot of the points. And so I think, I think that's kind of, that's a more effective way more often than not, particularly at this level to, to go about that. And, um, you know, hopefully for LSU, it's more of a matter of they like the way all these guys can throw the ball and Peter Parrish just gives you a little bit of something extra rather than a sign that, that they haven't gotten a handle on exactly the direction that they're trying to go. Yeah, and it's always good to see um, a winner in, at the high school level. And um, Peter Parrish just came off a state championship where he defeated none other than Talia Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa. The, uh, the brother of Tua Tagovailoa, who's haunted LSU fans' dreams for a while. So, I don't know, maybe a little bit of poetic uh, foreshadowing. I and look, hey, I'm going to say this. I do not – I don't buy a whole lot into this. I sh- probably shouldn't say this because this isn't going to happen until after <laughs> Thursday. But some of the guys in this class still think Talia might be a part of this class. Really? Which Is Talia signing early or is he – Which I I don't really know what's going on with Talia, but I don't expect him to be in purple and gold. I'm kind of surprised when some of the, the mm-hmm. current commits say that they think he – but he did really enjoy his trip to to LSU. I just I have a difficult time imagining uh, him ending up not only not on the same roster as, as his brother, but at one of the bigger rivals. Yeah, that'd be a, <laughs> interesting. Um, moving to running back, I think one of the positions that LSU probably haven't looked nationally all the way around, but I would say one of, if not the best, running back hall in the country with. John Emery and Ty Davis, two dudes who at a big position of need after when you lose Nick Brissett and you, I mean, you got guys like your boy, Chris Curry, obviously getting redshirted. And then you get Clyde back and, uh, you know, some contributions I'm sure you'll get from baby Fournette and uh, Tay Provins. But to bring in a guy, a top, what, one or two 
running back in the country. John Emery is um, one of the best in the country. And then Ty Davis, not far behind him, too. Definitely top 10 backs. Um, how much of an impact do you think those guys can have their their first year on campus? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a few times, yeah. not even necessarily talking about recruiting, but just looking ahead a little bit for LSU. And two top 10 running backs, two big guys with speed that were the top two running backs on LSU's board, really, for, for most of this recruiting process. And I think that both of them will be pretty involved early. I I expect both of them, along with Clyde, to to make an impact. I think they're going to pick up on on some things more quickly than, than Chris necessarily did this year and uh, and have a little bit more opportunity to to be more involved uh, in in more plays than than he did just I think he'll they'll be able to do a little bit more varied things that will enable them to be on the field a little bit more often early and um, and earn more and more opportunities as the season progresses I know you've known these dudes for for a little bit especially you and Ty have been, been pretty close and you did some stuff with with Ty and Cardell but what's from what you've gathered, what's kind of their approach to coming into the same in the same class and kind of being that one-two punch? And I don't know. I know you see a lot of guys who shy away from competition or don't want to. You know, they see a five-star in that class and they'll go somewhere else to be kind of the guy. How have you kind of seen their those two the dynamic of coming in together? A lot of running backs have gotten really wise in their approach to that through the years. And back when Leonard Fournette was coming in, he and his folks were were pretty aware of it and. These guys now seem to be pretty aware of it. Uh, just getting a sense from from some of the folks around Ty, the attitude is, you know, don't want to go be the one big fish that badly when I can be one of a couple big fish that maybe turn into a a better overall success rate at that level, but also. Um, less wear on the tires long-term for when it comes time for the big NFL payday. And so LSU has done a good job of using multiple running backs for quite a while yeah. now. They've, I mean, the amount of times that we talked about the stable of running backs under less miles is pretty much year in, year out. And so the opportunities are there for two or three guys at least. And if you can go out there and have your opportunities to showcase your ability to help your team – have another guy or two that's there that helps the team be overall more successful and then be healthier come time for the NFL draft and um, preserve your opportunity to make more money for longer. I think guys have started to really recognize that as a, as a positive more than necessarily saying it's a negative that they won't carry the ball 30 or 40 times. That's a smart approach. And it's going to be, like you mentioned, we talked about, talked about this in the past, but that's going to be a really fun group to watch kind of, grow over the next two years with all the different pieces they have and kind of a few different skill sets in there when you look at you mentioned these two guys are pretty big obviously Clyde's a little bit shiftier but can still run the tackles um Chris Curry's kind of a that bruiser running back and then Tay Proven has that breakaway speed so you got a good mixture of guys that can hopefully utilize in different ways and get a lot of a lot of production out of that position uh moving to wide receiver the lone receiver listed as an athlete uh on rivals but projected as a as a receiver's five-star Trey Palmer out of Kentwood um, after a big receiver uh, haul last year. Um, Trey's a lone guy in this class, but obviously a huge, huge get. And this is a guy that I think you guys were the first to, first to drop that one right there whenever he committed. Oh, yeah. we I mean, we've been working with him yeah. on a video and some content for a month or so before before he committed. TP7, or, I mean, he wore that 33 jersey yeah. nod to – to Demetrius Hookfin, his uh, his cousin, that was the last the last guy from from his area out there in Kentwood, uh, just a few years back to to play at LSU, and so Trey is gonna be the next guy, and he hopes to bring his best friend uh, Devonte Lee, the receiver from Amy. Devonte won't decide uh, officially until February, though. But Trey was a really good receiver and defensive back for for the kangaroos on route to a state championship the best mascot in the state he uh he can throw the ball a little bit he he grew up playing a lot of quarterback for his his youth teams out there he threw a touchdown in the state championship game to uh terrell Hookfin, his his oh. teammate typically the quarterback for um 
for the Kangaroos this season. And so he can do a lot of things. And he's a guy that I think as he gets the opportunity to focus on receiver where he figures to play, he has the opportunity to make some pretty big strides. Burst onto the scene years ago just being faster than most kids around the state. And LSU offered him. He com- he committed finally. He, he kind of knew he wanted to go to LSU, but he committed finally this summer. And what has been impressive to me about his game, too, is from his junior year through that offseason into 7-on-7 seven seven over the late spring, early summer, and then into the senior year, he got a lot stronger. Mm. And, and so I think he's really become more of a complete athlete and has a chance to become more of a complete receiver at the next level. And I think he's a guy that has a chance also to, to potentially play pretty early. And he's, uh, he's not going to talk to you too much about it, but he, <laughs> he'll go out there and be about it. That, that's something to watch for this week Quiet also is, uh, is a feature on him. And just he's a very actions speak louder than words type guy. He, he's not out there trying to talk a whole heck of a lot because he doesn't know who's listening and what you're going to try and spin out of what he said. But he'll get out there and he'll speak loudly with his play. And that's, I mean, we talk about running back being an exciting position to watch next year, but I mean, you saw what Justin Jefferson did this year. Obviously the hall they had last year, Jamar Chase and, um, and Terrace Marshall, we saw flashes of, but even guys like Keenan Jones, um, really talented. And then Trey Palmer, and if you can get Devontae Lee, Trey, Trey Palmer is listed by rivals as the number two athlete. Devontae Lee is the number nine. Um, another pair of dudes who could be, uh, that could be a really young and really talented um, wide receiver core uh, next year, kind of led by, I guess at that point, it'd be a veteran in, in Justin Jefferson. But uh, got to be excited about the direction of the offense. And then we'll kind of wrap up the offense talking about this O-line real quick. And then I'll let you start with uh, with the big the big fish in this one with the uh, Cardell Thomas. The He's five big. Stars. <laughs> He's quite a large human and kind of been the uh, the spearhead of this, of this recruiting class, which is um, – turning into a lot of LSU fans' favorite guy out there. But you have known Cardo for a while. There's a lot of stories on him. Uh, what's – I mean, just how big of an impact – big of an impact can he can he make? Cardell's class president. He is – he's that guy personality-wise. He's up there in front. He's talking a lot. He's recruiting uh, along with with the, uh, the coaching staff and really selling a lot of these in-state guys on the idea that Hey, we need to stay home and win a state champion, a state champion, a national championship for the big home state team. And he talks a lot about the idea that the last time LSU was really kind of at its peak, they were keeping everyone in state home and then getting some uh, some standouts, just kind of picking some spots to get some standouts from around the region. And so he's sold a lot of guys on that, um, and obviously. People in Baton Rouge have known about him for a while. He's he's just been such a big force for that Southern Lab team through the years. Uh, big guy, strong guy, uh, particularly upper body strength. And people saw the videos of of him running track too, yeah. and got pretty excited about his his ability to run, um, you know, and and move a little bit. But I think the group that they have really as a whole, you know, Thomas Perry down the road at. at Turlings in Lafayette, I think, has a chance to be as good as as any of those linemen in this class. Um, he's a he's a pretty big guy in his own right, taller uh, and not as as stout uh, the other direction as as Cardell is right now. But but he's a taller guy, but he moves really well for a guy that tall. And so he's he's a guy that I think has the opportunity to do some uh, to be really involved with with LSU and, and be one of the the better linemen from this class, if not the best lineman long term uh and then you've got anthony bradford and charles turner uh, another couple really good good players uh from from michigan and from img academy uh and then you know quentin skinner i don't know if we'll talk about him with the specialist but he's a he's a long snapper so he'll be up there up front on some some snap situations Mm -hmm. um but he's a guy that that follows those Ferguson brothers from Buford, Georgia, and is excited to be a part of of the tradition that those guys have started here. Reed and Blake, and shoot, what do you, I mean, what do you think about some of these offensive linemen? I mean, you had a chance to talk yeah. to a few. I mean, you mentioned. Well, I, I kind of led my story off, and I, I wrote a feature for for Tiger Details about the about the O linemen, and the one thing that kept resonating when I talked to all these dudes is that quote that Coach O talked about after the the Bama game when he said, "You know, we got to recruit better offensive linemen," and he. 
I mean, listen to that press conference a couple times after uh, or before I wrote the story just to just kind of get a, an idea. And the amount of times he mentioned winning in the trenches and beating Alabama in the trenches and recruiting better in the trenches, like that's that was very obviously the direction and the the idea that he wanted to go uh, moving forward, and that obviously is shown on the on the recruiting trail having what one two three four five if you want to count skinner but she's going to focus on long snappings i don't think he'll get much yeah time i mean their line. but it's, it's mainly those four and then obviously ray parker that we talk about who yeah. potentially ends up being a tackle long term yeah but i mean they're they're bringing in dudes and obviously cardell's kind of the head of that class and he's probably the one that will push for playing time the quickest but you mentioned thomas perry being a big dude and that's kind of what he said when i spoke to him is his, like his body he he is sec ready he's built he's listed at six six uh, a little over 300 pounds. Um, the biggest thing he was focusing on all this year, just the the small stuff, the techniques and the footwork and the and you know the mental error, the mental side of the game. So I'll be curious to see if he. I don't know if he'll winning starting win a starting job, but we saw kind of a rotation over at right tackle, and if that spot continues to be um, a point of questions, a question you know, a question mark on the offense, and I don't know if Deculus doesn't grab that grab that spot by the horns, I would not be surprised if Thomas Perry can can push for some snaps there um and then uh charles turner was a guy who played center and is kind of being recruited as a center but he formerly played left tackle at img and just switched over when their last center graduated so he's kind of got that flexibility to be plugged in and he, he said he also has played guard a few times not in a game action but a lot of times in practice he'll, he'll squeeze in there so he's he'll be a guy who can kind of be one of those plug and play he's obviously got to put on a good deal of weight he's only at 260 so I don't I don't think his first year he'll quite be on the field but a pretty athletic dude who you can move inside and out and he's got a pretty high football IQ to be able to pick up center in just one year and kind of make that transition pretty pretty seamlessly um a guy that I think down the line could be pretty exciting to have that versatility to kind of fill in wherever wherever he's needed those guys are always useful to have yeah when you have good combinations of length and flexibility mm-hmm. uh, like you see from a, a Thomas Perry and when you have the versatility uh, on the the front line like a Charles Turner I think those are a couple of things that that get overlooked a little bit people people look at um, a lot at just the size of guys at that position and and just straight out strength but some of those other aspects that that members of this class are bringing in are some of the things that really uh, differentiate you know, high quality uh, and and mediocre offensive linemen. So I I think there are certainly some pretty good tools there for mm-hmm. for the incoming Tigers blockers. Yeah, and the, uh, I think I think Charles and Thomas both said a quote that I guess Coach O is using on the recruiting trail for them. It's iron sharpens iron, and they've been told they're going to come in and be competition from day one. So then it's at the very least it, it's obviously not going to hurt to have more bodies, more big bodies in there pushing some of the starters who struggled at times this past year. Um, for playing time. Yeah. Most of those guys back. And so if yeah. if these guys from this 2019 class can come in and be the type of players that they're kind of expected to be and add some depth to that group, it should be – it could turn into really one of the stronger suits yeah. um, just by the addition of some depth as well as some natural progression uh, for 2018. And then if you have another, another nice class for – I mean, uh, the 2019 season – and then if you have another nice class for 2020, I think that would be huge for just the foundation of the program going forward to bring in these four or five guys and then you know bring in another nice crew for 2020. Uh, that kind of sets you up to avoid some of the depth issues they've had in recent years. Yeah, and we've seen, I mean, obviously Chase and Hines came in this past year and played when Brumfield went down. We saw Dare Rosenthal move to the offensive side. I don't know if that's going to be temporary or full-time, but he, he's there and he's kind of got that build to be a – prototypical dominant left tackle or I guess either either side of the of the line tackle but having those dudes and then bringing in this class um yeah this could be I mean the offense as a whole on paper at the very least is uh pretty exciting looking into the future with um obviously Miles Brennan taking a redshirt at quarterback Joe's back the running back class we talked about the receiver we talked about and then all these o-line kind of building that foundation that it's mm, seems promising um on the defensive side of the ball, I know Ishmael Sopshire is kind of the one guy that's that's still out there, the biggest fish that everyone's kind of talking about. And so there's still a few more spots to fill. And Ika, um, what's his last name? Siaki Ika. Siaki Ika. There you go. 
I'm working on it. They got a couple dudes couple there, but yeah, those are on the on the horizon. But at this point, only one dude committed, and, and Joseph Evans. How, did you write that story on him? I did details? yeah, that was JoJo. That was that was a good one. Um, what does he what does he bring to the table out of Haynesville? JoJo's a big dude. He is, I think, about six three now, over three hundred pounds, and just a big physical dude for a Haynesville team that uh, really likes to be physical at the point of attack uh, for for a small school has just had a lot of success dominating in the trenches. And it was kind of crazy to me to realize um, during the course of his, his commitment over the last year going on year and a half that for a team that has won more state championships than any public school in the state of Louisiana, he will be the first player to sign with LSU since Kenny Jackson in 1974. And so it's been a huge deal for a small community up there. He's a guy that is easy to rally behind. Um, he was born premature, three pounds. Uh, mother passed away during childbirth and just grew up with such a – to come from that, grew up with such a, a great attitude, great personality, just kind of goofy kid, multi-talented, two-time state champion in shot put, uh, very musically gifted guitar, keyboard, multiple uh, multiple instruments, and just has a really good sense about him and does things, does the right things, does things the right way, and doesn't get caught up in a lot of nonsense. And I think he also feels very passionately similar to Cardell about playing for the state of Louisiana, and I think people are going to rally around that the same way Haynesville has rallied around him and, and really a lot of North Louisiana has rallied around him. And he's the... He's the one guy right now waiting on on Ish, potentially Siaki, some of these other guys. Uh, he's the one guy in the middle of that defensive line that they'll add to to that group. And so a lot of eyes will be on him um, starting off the, the signing class for the, the defensive line. And, and I'm, you know, I'm interested to see what, what he can bring to the table at the next level mm-hmm. and, and how quickly he can do so. Because as much as, as O mentioned, needing to – get that offensive line better. He kind of mentioned the defensive line at the same time, just saying yeah. the importance of the trenches, regardless of, of what side uh, are in, in the quest to beat Alabama. And then if, if they don't end up with ish, you know, right now they're not bringing in a lot on that side of the ball, but uh, it does appear they're bringing in some nice quality with Jojo. Yeah. Um, awesome story that, that Jared wrote on Tiger details. I'd highly recommend it. We had somebody tweet at, I was tagged in it, but tweeted at Jared earlier. Um, saying they brought the story brought it to tears, um, just written JoJo's story of his upbringing and everything. So um, be sure to go, go check that out. Um, I'm so kind of fascinated by the the transition that the linebackers have taken at LSU. Just, I mean, if you look back two or three years ago, whatever it was, when they brought in Devin White as a running back, kind of, I guess, kind of slash linebacker, and he really switched over because the numbers were so thin there. And now over the past two recruiting classes or so um we've seen that position just kind of be overflown with with talent and this class seems to be i mean damn near just as strong um three dudes committed right now at linebacker with uh marcel brooks dante starks i think you touched on them a little bit earlier and then kendall mccallum out of alabama as well in that class dude's a straight thumper if you want to see some fun highlight reels go go watch kendall mccallum's but um how good is this group and how much I, I think I saw Marcel mention. I think it was in same story the other day, saying he's excited to not play, not be Devin White's replacement, but play with Devin White. And, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Devin White has not announced any intentions to play football uh, anywhere other than LSU next year. And so I don't. You are correct. Some of you guys get caught up in in otherwise, but I don't know. Devin. Devin White has yet to declare for the 2019 NFL Draft. Uh, and Marcel and, things would think he's not going to do that. And look, we're recording this on Monday. Of all the things we're talking about, I feel more confidently that by the time this runs, Devin White will still have not announced his intentions to enter the NFL Draft. So, oh, shoot, boy. who knows? But yeah, Marcel is one of is one of the most ready players in this class right now. I think he's. You know, he's 6'3", 200, and can move. Get He plays both ways uh, or played both ways in high school. And 
he's a guy that I think is going to have a chance to to play right away uh, with you know another guy that I think we're going to talk about shortly here in that secondary as well as I mentioned obviously uh, the running backs and potentially also Trey Trey Palmer being involved early. I think Marcel is going to be one of those those first few guys getting some reps as a true freshman uh, on the outside, uh, likely on the outside linebacker position. Kendall, big dude in the middle. All these guys can hit, honestly. Even yeah. even Marcel is a smaller guy than the other two can hit. Dante Starks, 6'1", 210, big physical guy from the West Bank down to John Errett. Uh, also right in line with some of these other guys we talked about, very passionate about the idea of staying in the, the state of Louisiana and, and representing the um, the state where he, he grew up. Um, and also, as much as we talk about that JoJo story, worth noting, Kendall's mom with a, a heart scare um, and some concerns about him going away from home, away from his home in Alabama to, to play college football and just the relationships with Orgeron and the coaching staff and, and the way LSU football has embraced them being such a huge uh, – a huge – you know, meaningful thing mm-hmm. in his recruitment. Sam wrote that story for Sunday, and that that's another one certainly worth checking out. So Marcel's listed as the number three outside linebacker in the country. Dante Starks, the number seven inside linebacker. And just to kind of refresh some memories on uh, linebackers are going to be stacked in the next few years. You have obviously Jacob Phillips, um, Patrick Queen, Baskerville, who we saw towards the end of the year. I guess we'll kind of wait and see what ends up happening with Tyler Taylor. Mm. Not not looking. No, I mean, if if something situation. if something were to happen where he came back and was a part of the football program, that would be that'd be a pretty big benefit. But right now, uh, you know, moving forward without him having the three guys committed right. they have right now, and you know, at the time we record this, uh, LSU still hoping to potentially land Nicobe Dean from from mm-hmm. Horn Lake up in uh, the northern portion of Mississippi. If if they ended up adding him, that I think moves this recruiting class uh, in this early signing period from a really, really good class to just a phenomenal win all around. But that's that that spot is a, a point of emphasis for them. That's why they got these three really good guys and, and still looking to potentially add more. Yeah, and then they're adding to the mix with, I mean, Chase on, Ray Thornton, Mike Divinity, Andre Anthony, and then some of the freshmen, Dan Treasy Scott, and um, Jarrell Cherry, Damone Clark, just a I mean, littered with talent all these guys four and five stars from the past couple classes so a lot to look forward to at linebacker um moving over to dbs we touched on on mo hampton a little bit other two guys are obviously kind of the headliner of this entire class and and derek stingley the number one prospect in the country on a lot of uh recruiting sites and then cordell flott who you touched on being kind of 50 50 and i guess we'll see how how his recruitment goes but i mean is stingley that good where he's essentially day one starter it's it's going to be him and and i guess he is, is he that good <laughs> stingley's that dude man stingley is going to make an impact on special teams and defense can he return punts he can he's <laughs> he is a punt return maestro put that dude back there game one put him back there for the bowl game like can he get, do what giles does <laughs> i don't know if he can do what giles does he's <laughs> he's he's way too good at punt return to do that no he's Derek Stingley Jr., Lil Sting is serious. That dude, that dude, my feature on Sunday talking to him, his dad, uh, Coach Weiner, talked a little bit to you highs, Jordan Clark, about, about just how ridiculous this dude is and then how nonchalant he is about it. He was one of the best players in the state as an underclassman at Dunham High School. But for some reason, just kind of, he doesn't focus on any of the accolades the same way most high school students do to the point where anytime we told him anything like, Hey man, you're about to be the number one player uh, on rivals. He's just surprised. Like I think sometimes he as confident as he is in his ability on the field, when it comes to competition, he just doesn't think about those other things. And so he seems confused that he gets the accolades, even though he's really confident in his ability. He just, he's so focused on competition and that whole mindset has allowed him as good as he was as an underclassman to just continue to improve because he's still busting his his butt to work on so many different things. His dad, obviously a a longtime football player and coach, has helped him identify through the years 
some of his weaknesses and continue to work on those to where dad said, yeah, he was doing a lot of big things the last couple of years, but I was able to notice that he was able to rely on his strengths and things were playing to his strengths. And occasionally when he was a little bit out of position or something, uh, you know, something negative happened. It was because someone found a weakness or, or played to a weakness. And he said those weaknesses just continue to go away. And now he's turned into a, a complete player, uh, Neil Weiner, the head coach over at Dunham, said he was ready to be a starting cornerback at LSU as a junior in high school, and he's gotten much better since then. He's just – he's ridiculous. I think his one weakness at this point is honestly Kit Kats. Um, (laughs) Dude loves Kit Kats. But other than that, he's he's ready to play, and I think he's going to have to get over a little bit the idea of – am I ready to play at this next level? Because it'll be a little bit of a jump and he'll have to learn a couple of things. But I think him just realizing that he is that dude that everyone says he is may be the biggest question mark for him because in terms of physically, his size, strength, speed, all of that, and also his preparation and how how smart he is out there, mm. I think he's he's just so far ahead of where – not only most high school players are, but where a lot of college players are is is always funny to be around him and Jordan and Jordan talk about um, and he Jordan texted me about it over the weekend again too. He said, "There's no way Derek Stingley Jr. is of this earth. Like that dude is a robot or an alien or something. He does things that humans should not be able to do." Are we talking? I mean, he's almost. I'm just looking side by side of when Patrick Peterson was coming out of high school at six one, listed as one ninety three. Derrickson Lee's 6'1", 185, so they're what and what in their size. I mean, are we talking – and I hate to do these kind of comparisons because that adds all that pressure to him, but is this the kind of, like, at least potential and prospect that we're looking at, Pat Pete levels? Yes. Oof. He's he's that dude. When you go back and look at the most talented players that LSU has had come in and be ready at that really incredible position and, and have huge futures ahead of them beyond LSU – Stingley is that next guy that you can look at and feel as confidently about his ability as a college player and beyond as as anyone. And, you know, Pat Pete, it's been a couple years now, and so I think for years to come, a lot of these younger guys, the same way Sting looked up to, to him and said, that's that's the dude, that's the guy I want to be. A lot of these, these guys in a couple years will be saying, you know, I want to be Derek Stingley Jr., Jr., there's going to be junior, junior. Nice. Um, oh man, that's going to be, uh, you just got me even more hyped to see, to see Sting. <laughs> Are we talking, uh, can a fresh, can a true freshman wear number seven? Yeah. They've talked to him about that. That's out there on the table. It's, it's kind of his decision to make. Yeah. But again, he's, he's got to be ready to see himself as that guy. Yeah. I think, and, and he's pretty aware of it. He's not taking any of that lightly. He looks at the guys that he looked up to, and most of them wore number seven between Patrick and Tyron and Leonard and then DJ Shark. Yeah. Um, and so he he's really kind of weighed that. I, I do – I kind of expect to see him in seven by the time it's uh, it's all said and done and and he's out there with, with a jersey number. But that's, that's, I think, a really telling situation that – it makes me a little bit nervous because – we've spent all year talking about someone that as much as they'd shown in different ways, they hadn't done it on Saturdays in tiger stadium yet. And it didn't really work out that well in 2018, but that's my expectation. I think it says a lot about how the coaching staff feels about, about him. Is he, is he an early enrollee or is he going to, yeah, he's be on campus in the spring. uh, Yeah. He's, that's something that the Stingley family has been really thankful for is the way Dunham has, worked with them to make sure that he took care of everything he needed to do with his his high school education to to be ready to be at LSU very quickly here and be ready to be not only a college football player but a college student uh, I, I know that's not that's not something you typically see at Dunham but they've uh, they've given him the opportunity to, to make sure that he's taking the course loads and everything that that he needs to to get that done yeah I mean just looking at from what you just said being able to have the confidence to be know that he is that guy I think being on campus a few months early and getting those workout ins workouts in with the team and just kind of being on that level that could be kind of what gets him over that hump potentially at least mentally 
Um, and we'll run out here. We talked about Quentin Skinner a little bit, but what, what can you tell us about Cade York? I know a lot of times kickers are, I mean, we've seen LSU bring in stud kickers and it hasn't quite worked out, but he's a, he's a three-star kicker, but as good as a, as a kicker can get at the high school level. Um, what you know about Cade? Cade, you know, I've, I've talked to Cade a little bit through the, the process and, uh, hooked him up with Glenn West to write the feature on him this week that went up on Monday morning. And I think the biggest compliment you can give, give Cade in addition to, I mean, people know he he's hit field goals from long. He's boomed punts Mm -hmm. 50 plus yards and know some of that type of stuff of his, you know, his leg talent. He kind of reminds you a little bit of Cole Tracy in just his, his confidence and his his chill, at least just talking to him a little bit. Again, not being someone that's had a chance to cover him much at the high school level, just talk to him a little bit through recruiting. And the demeanor that Cole Tracy brought to LSU right off the bat was something that I was really impressed with and I think served him incredibly well. And I think Cade has some of that. Cade is a you know a self-described perfectionist and really works at stuff until he's got it down. And I think that serves you well as a kicker to to work on things and just the repetition and muscle memory and all of that and then I think from there you just have to look at the mindset and we talked a lot about how impressed I was at the high school level and in camps and things with Connor Culp and Jack Gonsolin but when you get out there and miss a kick how you handle that ends up being a huge determining factor on how you end up succeeding overall and being remembered as a kicker and so that'll be the thing with that jump from high school to tiger stadium to watch with with Cade york and he's had a chance to have some conversations with cole tracy and cole's given him a lot of advice about that of you know if something does go wrong flush it it doesn't matter you just you can't let it um snowball you can't start missing consecutive kicks and getting out outside of yourself and and outside of what you know you can do and so if he takes that to heart and makes that transition well. Uh, I think he is a really nice piece to this class, and one that O and Greg McMahon and company have been really excited about. They they talk a lot about Cole Tracy uh, has been great for this program. They wish they had four four years mm-hmm. with him, and they need to go get that next Cole Tracy. And and Cade was the guy that they identified to be that next Cole Tracy for them. Well, I mean, if you trust the coaching staff on identifying Cole and getting him, I guess you at least feel a little confident in Cade, and then. Uh, even talking to to Quentin Skinner, he was saying he knows that the you know no program wants to have waste scholarships on multiple long snappers. So he's kind of in a good situation where he can come in and learn for a year behind behind the Ferguson, and he knows that family pretty well. And then obviously the job will be his in a year. So behind the Ferguson, do you remember which ones here now and Blake. which ones? Yep, nice. Uh, it took me a second. I, it, it, it's the Buford Georgia pipeline of long snappers. Um, I just you know I'm going to ask Blake about this too. Reed and Blake passed down this long snap uh, license plate, and I kind of wonder oh, if, if that's going to be something that gets into Quentin's hands once he gets to Baton Rouge. Quentin Mad Dog Skinner. <laughs> Love it. Um, last thing I will close out with real quick, um, I just kind of want to get your your pulse. And there's obviously 19 commits at this point, so there's six spots open. Do you expect them, number one, do you expect them to fill all six with – high school prospects or leave a little wiggle room for some grad transfers. And that's kind of been some, some whispers recently about a, a couple guys potentially. Do you think they'll fill that or leave a little, leave a little room for that? And then secondly, what do you think is kind of LSU's ideal finish on these last four to six spots? Yeah. I mean, if they can get the guys that they want from these high school prospects, then they'll fill the class. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just kind of the question, though, because if they miss on on guys, I think that they will just sit with with twenty four instead of twenty five, or you know maybe maybe even only end up with twenty three. I I do kind of think that they probably end up with with twenty four, and I'm interested to see how it goes. Again, this is something we're recording on on Monday, yeah. but a lot of eyes will be on Horn Lake with Nicobe Dean and Ray Darius Jones, his his teammate, the cornerback commit who's probably of the uncommitted prospects one of the likeliest to end up at LSU so those two guys uh, LSU remains heavy on heading into signing day uh, Siaki up in in Utah is a guy that's very involved I think people by now know Jay Ward the 
the cornerback, one-time Kentucky commitment from from Georgia, the Amit guys, not only Devontae and Ish Sopcher, but uh, Juco prospect Rodney Sopcher, uh, Ish's big brother, um, Christian Williams, Byron Houston, a couple Alabama commits right now that, that LSU remains in contact with, and a couple other you know, defensive end, pass rusher type guys, and the tight end, uh, Keon Zipperer in, in Florida. Those are guys I that... I do love to troll on Twitter. Yeah, you? he's not coming. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be surprised. They're not giving up on him, but yeah. I do not expect him to be an LSU Tiger by the end of the day. And so those are the guys LSU's really kind of locked into. These are the last high school guys mm-hmm. that we're really going after. And if they get six of them, then they're going to feel great about it and fill that class up but i think the likeliest outcome is they end up probably getting 24 guys and then uh leaving themselves open to to add a graduate transfer in a few months and i think even if they hit on i don't know maybe you mentioned all the ones that they're they're targeting if they hit on on a handful of those that are towards the higher end of of the recruiting rankings at least i think this class is probably likely to finish in the top three to to five I maybe fall right there at six or seven but i think it's going to be i mean easily a top 10 class and potentially a top i don't know three class if they can they can hit on these last last few dudes and not only is it a really strong class but i think a lot of the positions are positions of need and guys we've i think we mentioned a a thousand times this podcast dudes who can make impacts right away especially some of these higher rated guys i mean all the good things you said about stingley uh obviously carl thomas coming to push for playing time they're running backs um, a lot of a lot of promising young dudes coming in this year, and I think there's going to be a class that people look back on and, and think pretty fondly of the number of dudes who are going to make an impact on this team. Yeah, they they're shaping up to be a really memorable group and have an opportunity to do a lot of the things that Cardell and, and company are talking about with uh, just really reestablishing LSU back as a consistent national championship contender type team. Um, but wherever they end up falling through the years whether that be actually in that that playoff discussion year in year out or just being a continually competitive team that um you know a year here and then maybe two years down the road or or whatever jumps in um and then is back to being more of a top 10 top 15 team the the guys are really enjoyable kids and so I think people really rally behind some of their stories and their passion for LSU football and for the state of Louisiana it's going to be exciting. Um, obviously, we're recording this on a Monday, so things should shape out by Wednesday, and you'll hear this on Thursday, so hopefully we don't sound too stupid. The vast majority of these dudes we talked about will have been signed. could be a couple of question marks here or there, but we will address them next time if we're, if we're, if we're that far off. But, again, don't forget to get to TigerDetails.com. Now is the time um, these next few months as we get to the early signing period and then the, the regular signing period back in, um, in February. Um, the Rivals' Rivals website, Tiger Details, has all your features, all your updates. Get involved in the message boards. Um, great staff over there. So, you see my hand twitching? Why is that? Too much coffee, not enough sleep. That's not on purpose. <laughs> that's from just, that's ri- just rise and grind. That's just signing day. Uh, but yeah, Tiger, Tiger Details dot com on Twitter at Tiger Details, and obviously follow Jarrett. He's on Twitter at Jarrett Roser. I'm on Twitter at Mark Clements 225 and don't forget to follow all the 225 Magazine brands. That's Facebook.com slash 225 Magazine and on Instagram and Twitter at 225 Baton Rouge. Thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next week.